Thank you, John. Thank you, Jacob. Take your Bibles and turn to the most beloved of Psalms, Psalm 23. Perhaps no other six consecutive verses have been committed to memory more than the ones before us. And that's not without reason. This psalm is an entirely encouraging and completely comforting hymn of confidence. Even those who do not know the Lord know and love these words. Let me read them for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before we go any further, let's go to the throne of grace. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 23. We ask that as we consider it this evening, that you would feed us, that you would strengthen us, that you would encourage us and comfort us. I pray that we would be confident because of who you are to us. In your son's name we pray, amen. When Pastor Monty asked me to preach last Sunday evening, he suggested that I take up this psalm as my text, and being a good associate, that's exactly what I did. I immediately began rehearsing the first half of the first line in my head, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. I would even sing it to the tune of that old Keith Green song, something I won't do now. Why do I share that? I do simply to say, in coming to this psalm, I couldn't get past the first part of the first line. It arrested my attention and wouldn't let it go. I can relate to James Montgomery Boyce when he wrote, The psalm is a masterpiece throughout. But if ever a psalm could stand almost on a single line, it is this one. And the line it could stand on is the first. In fact, he says, it can stand on only part of a line, the part which says, the Lord is my shepherd. Because of this, we will spend our time together considering just three words. The three words are shepherd, my, and Lord. Shepherd, my, and and Lord. First, let's consider the word shepherd. Have you ever given any thought as to why David chose 
the figure of a shepherd to represent the Lord's relationship to him. I mean, we understand the use of other figures such as a king or a judge, but a shepherd. I've read that in the East, the youngest boy in a family often becomes the shepherd of sheep. The job is passed from an older son to a younger son until the youngest of all becomes the family shepherd. This seems to have been the case in David's own life. You'll remember that when Jesse or Samuel asked Jesse, are these all your children? Jesse answered, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. So again, I ask, why did David choose this figure, especially if shepherding was the occupation of the least in the family? It hardly seems honoring to God. Brothers, sisters, we will never understand why he did until we understand all that a shepherd was in David's day. And because of this, a question we must answer is, what was a shepherd to his sheep? What was a shepherd to his sheep? Let me give you five answers to this question. One is, a shepherd was a provider. Sheep cannot feed themselves. Thus, a shepherd in every season of the year provided food for his sheep. This necessitated searching for good pasture. Scripture often refers to this. For example, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 39, we read, They went to the entrance of Gedor, even to the east side of the valley, to seek pasture for their flocks. In the late autumn and winter months, when a shepherd could find no good pasturage for his flock, he would feed him himself, or feed them himself. Mothers, count your blessings. I couldn't imagine feeding a flock of sheep. Another option was to take the sheep under his care to the mountain country, where he would do the hard work of cutting down tree branches that had green leaves or tender twigs that they could eat. And not only did he provide for his sheep food, but also water. Interestingly, since sheep do not like fast-moving water, a shepherd would have looked for pools of water or some restful place where they could drink. And this gives some insight into verse 2, when David says, He leads me beside quiet waters. When such quiet waters dried up in the heat of summer, wells were used. The shepherd would then draw enough water to quench the thirst of his entire flock. Are we now beginning to understand why David chose this figure? Just as a shepherd was a provider to his sheep, the Lord was David's provider. He provided him with both physical and spiritual nourishment, with both physical and spiritual refreshment. So much so was this the case that David could say, I lack nothing, which is a better translation of I shall not want. Now, 
Brothers, sisters, it is the same with us as it was with David. The Lord is our provider. He has and is and will be faithful to provide all of our needs. He will provide the needs of both our bodies and of our souls. And I would ask you, has he not already proved that he will? If he has already met our greatest need, will he not meet our lesser needs? Or as Paul put it, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Before moving on, I want to consider that we can confidently say with David, I lack nothing. Did you know that? We lack nothing. Someone may say, I lack lots of things. In fact, unless I have everything, I will lack something. So let me clarify what is meant. When David declared, I lack nothing, he meant he did not lack anything that was good for him. And the same is true of us. Because God is our shepherd, we can be sure that we do not lack anything that is good for us. If we do not have everything we desire, we may conclude it is either not fit for us, or not good for us, or that we shall have it in due time. That is the confidence we may have because God is our shepherd. Let us never doubt that the Lord takes care of his people in the most plentiful way. And if we ever find ourselves discontent, let us remind ourselves of this truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What was a shepherd to his sheep? One answer is a shepherd was a provider. A second is a shepherd was a leader. A shepherd was a leader. In the east, a shepherd never drove his sheep as one does in the west. He always led them, often going before them. As Christ himself said in John chapter 10, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. If a shepherd was not out in front of his sheep, he would often walk alongside of them. Sometimes he would even walk behind them, but still always directing. A shepherd had to do this. Sheep do not have a very good sense of direction. Again, as I was reading in my study this week, there seems to be nothing good said of sheep. Everything's negative. They are also quick to go astray and will get lost without the guidance of a shepherd. Listen to what one author has written. Sheep are foolish creatures. In fact, they are probably the most stupid animals on earth. One aspect of their stupidity is seen in the fact that they so easily wander away. They can have a good shepherd who can have brought them to the best grazing lands near an abundant supply of water, 
and they will still wander away to where the fields are barren and the water undrinkable. It's becoming less of a wonder why David chose the figure of a shepherd to represent the Lord's relationship to him, isn't it? For as he wrote in verse 3, God habitually guided him in the right paths. He did so both by his precepts and by his providence. And David knew that without the word, he would have quickly gone astray like a sheep without a shepherd. And I'm sure many of us can say that as well. And David could also trace the ups and downs of his life and see how God caused all things to work together for his good. And is not the same true of us? Has God not led us in the right paths? Where would we be if it were not for the word of God? How often have we been guided through complex situations? How frequent have we been helped when faced with difficult situations or difficult questions? Furthermore, as we look back upon our lives, can we not see the hand of the Lord, the hand of providence at every turn? Has not the Lord so governed our lives and brought us to where we are now? Can we not truly say that we have been divinely led up until now? And if God has been faithful to lead us in the past, do we have any reason to doubt He is leading us in the present and will continue to do so in the future? I hope you know that whatever place you find yourself in, whether in a green pasture or in a valley of the shadow of death, it is the Lord that has led you there and it is the best place for you. Affliction, after all, causes us to grow closer to the Lord. Along those lines, I would have you notice that David changed from the third person to the second person in Psalm 23. In verses 1 through 3, we read, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes, he leads, he restores, he guides. But when we come to verses 4, or verse 4, when we come to the valley of the shadow of death, we read, You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why is that? Because the crises of life draw us closer to God. They, they have a way of making us stop talking about God and start talking to God. And it's incredible that we can see that even in the form of this psalm. What was a shepherd to his sheep in David's day? A shepherd was a provider. A shepherd was a leader. Here's a third answer. A shepherd was a protector. A protector. He was a guardian of the sheep. He was their defender. He had to be. Sheep are among the most defenseless of animals. God did not create them with weapons of attack or defense. 
As one has written, they can neither bite nor scratch nor kick. They can run, but not as fast as their enemies. A sheep is no match for many an animal half its size. Its helplessness is pitiable. It is dependent absolutely on human strength and wisdom. Its safety lies entirely in man. Man is its refuge, its buckler, its shield, its rock, its fortress. He then says this, Everything the psalmist calls God, a sheep might call its shepherd. A shepherd protected his sheep from wild animals when out in the country. An example would be David himself. We know from 1 Samuel 17 that David would rescue sheep from both lions and bears on a regular basis. He told Saul, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Again, the tense of the Hebrew is that that was a habitual thing. If you ever wondered what David used as a weapon, he most likely used the shepherd's rod. The shepherd's rod was like a policeman's club. It was often made of oak and had a knob at the end. It was very useful for protection, and no shepherd would have been without it. We actually read of such a club in verse 4. There it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod, that's the club, and your staff, they comfort me. Now a shepherd not only protected his flock from wild animals when out in the country, but from robbers when in the fold. Thieves could easily manage to climb the wall, get into the fold, where they would cut the throats of as many animals as possible before throwing them over the wall to others with them. Jesus actually described this threat when he said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And because of this, a shepherd had to always be on his guard. At this point, I doubt there's any question left, hopefully, as to why David chose this figure. Just as sheep have many enemies, so do the people of God. We fight against our own flesh, the world, and the devil. And not only do we have enemies outside the walls, but within the gates, our own hearts. But praise God, the Lord is our shepherd. He protected David from his many enemies, and he will protect us as well. And because of this, Let us, like him, like David, fear no evil. This includes evil men. What can men do to us? They cannot lift a finger against us unless God permits them. And if the Lord in his wisdom grants them to, the worst they can do is destroy this body, but our souls, our souls are safe in God. Not only should we not fear evil men, but we should not fear death. Its sting has been removed. It has been made to be the funeral of all of our sorrows. Lastly, we shouldn't fear losing our salvation. 
Our shepherd will never let any of his sheep perish. No one or nothing can snatch us from his hand. No one or nothing can separate us from his love. Our shepherd has a perfect record, does he not? He has never lost a sheep. Perhaps you're often perplexed by your own spiritual weakness. To that I say, a sheep is not safe because it is stronger than the lion or because it is stronger than a bear, but because its shepherd is. In the same way, we are not safe because we are stronger than our enemies or because of anything in us, but because the Lord is our shepherd. That is why we fear no evil. What was a shepherd to his sheep? He was a provider, a leader, a protector. A fourth answer may be added. A shepherd was a rescuer. A rescuer. As I've already mentioned, sheep are prone to wander. They will very easily and very quickly go astray. And if they do go astray, they must be brought back. Because they have no sense of direction, they are utterly dependent upon being sought and found by a shepherd. And this is exactly what a good shepherd would do for his sheep. He would quite literally spend hours, if necessary, traversing the wilderness or mountainside in search of a sheep that had gone astray and become lost. Fred White noted, After weary hours of hunting for it, it will usually be found in some waterless hollow in the wilderness or in some desolate mountain ravine. The exhausted creature will be borne home on the shoulders of the sturdy shepherd. And what happens then, he says, is best described by the parable of Jesus. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends And neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. After hearing that description, doesn't it make sense that David would call the Lord his shepherd? Did not the Lord seek and find David when he had gone astray? Did he not send the prophet Nathan to him after he sinned with Bathsheba and against her husband? Although the Lord suffered David to fall into sin, he did not suffer him to stay in sin. He rescued and restored David so that he could write Psalm 32. If you have not read that psalm recently, I would recommend you do so. Thank God he brings back wandering sheep that he seeks out wayward sons and daughters. Brothers, sisters, because the Lord is our shepherd, we nor any believer we know will ever finally fall away. All believers will persevere unto the end. Our Savior will make sure of that. So far, I've given you four answers to the question, what was a shepherd to his sheep? Let me give you one last answer. A shepherd was a healer. A shepherd was a healer. A shepherd was a sort of physician for his flock. A man by the name of Charles Jefferson explained, sheep 
like human beings, have diseases. And like all other living creatures on our planet, they are liable to accident and misfortune. They cut themselves. Their feet get sore. They break their legs. They fall. The victims of distempered and infirmities of many kinds. The shepherd was a healer of the diseases of his flock. There was usually at least one of his sheep which was lame and ailing. And upon this invalid, the shepherd bestowed more abundant care. The sheep that had no appetite, the sheep that on a journey got out of breath, the sheep that limped and occasionally laid down, these were the sheep toward which the shepherd's sympathies went out. The nature of his calling compelled a shepherd to be a doctor and a nurse. This, of course, makes sense. After David rescued a lamb from the mouth of a lion, we can be sure that he tended to its wounds. A shepherd was always on the lookout for sick and wounded sheep. And one of the most common remedies was a supply of olive oil. He carried it in a ram's horn. And perhaps, perhaps this is what David was alluding to when he wrote, the, wrote to the Lord, you have anointed my head with oil. For the last time, this is why David chose the figure of a shepherd, because the Lord was his great physician. He healed David's spiritual infirmities and brought him back to health again and again. Has he not done the same for us? He has, and he will continue to do so. The Lord will tend to our spiritual wounds. He will do so through his spirit, through his word, through the church. How often have we been engaged early in the morning and encouraged by our Bible reading? How often have we been comforted as we've entered the doors of the church and enjoyed sweet fellowship? Brothers, sisters, the Lord, by the counsel his word provides, will be faithful to heal us of our depression, of our despondency, of our anger and anxiety, of our sadness and bitterness. He is and forever will be our healer. We'll see that we've spent most of our time considering the word shepherd. Let's move on to consider the word my. Our text says, the Lord is my shepherd. Charles Spurgeon said, the sweetest word is that monosyllable my. He does not say, the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leads forth the multitude as his flock, but the Lord is my shepherd. If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me, watches over me, and preserves me. Brothers, sisters, the same is true of you. The Lord is your shepherd. He is your provider. He is your leader. He is your protector. He knows your name. He knows your wants and needs. He knows your hurts and sorrows. 
You are not lost in the crowd. If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to you. As I was in my study this week, I read quite a remarkable story of a shepherd who was asked if he always counted his flock come evening. He replied in the negative, for he was able to feel the absence of any one of his sheep. And when he was asked, how he knew if all his sheep were present, this was his reply. If you were to put a cloth over my eyes and bring me any sheep and only let me put my hands on its face, I could tell in a moment if it was mine or not. If a man can have such an intimate knowledge of and relationship with each one of his sheep, how much more so God? As Matthew chapter 10, verse 30 says, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. As we consider this idea of the Lord being each of our shepherd, I cannot help but remind us of the doctrine of limited atonement or particular redemption. Basically, if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, he specifically died for us. He had each of our names in his mind as he hung on the cross. All that he did in life and in death, he did for me and for you. But we can go even further. Not only did he do all that he did in life and death for me and for you, but all that he now does at the right hand of the Father, he does for me and for you. What does Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 say? He always lives to make intercession for us. Truly, we can say along with David, the Lord is my shepherd. We've now considered the word shepherd and my. That leaves us with one more word to consider, and that is Lord. As I've already mentioned, shepherding was often the occupation of the least in the family. The job was passed from the older to the younger until the youngest boy became the family shepherd. Now, if you were a thinking sheep, wouldn't that be alarming? I know I would have some real concerns. This boy is going to protect me from lions and bears. Not every young man is David, you know. But brothers, sisters, when it comes to our shepherd, there are no such concerns. This is because of who our shepherd is, the Lord. Now you may have noticed that the word Lord is capitalized. That means in Hebrew, the word Lord isn't used here. David actually used the divine name. What he really wrote is, Yahweh is my shepherd, or I am is my shepherd. And if we really understood that, if we really understood who is our shepherd, what comfortable lives we would live. He who is our provider is himself self-existent, and all-sufficient. He who is our leader is himself all-wise. He who is our protector is himself omnipotent. 
He who is our rescuer is himself omniscient. He who is our healer is himself love. Truly, our shepherd is the great shepherd. There is none greater. In closing, let me just challenge us to often call this truth to mind. No matter the situation we find ourselves in. When we find ourselves on the hilltop, lying down in green pastures, let us remember that the Lord is our shepherd and give thanks to Him. And when we find ourselves in the valley, let us remember that the Lord is our shepherd and trust in Him. This truth applies to us at all times and in all seasons and will help us tremendously. If I could, I'm going to reread the words of the song we already sang this evening of He Leadeth Me. I found them very appropriate. We'll close with this. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis thy hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. Amen to that. I pray that next time we sing that, we'll be able to sing it a little bit better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd. That you provide for us and lead us and protect us and rescue us and heal us. Help us to remember that we lack nothing. Help us to fear no evil. May we never be discontent. May we never murmur against you, knowing that you have us where you would have us, and that it is good for us. Forgive us for oftentimes sinning in those ways, for calling your goodness into question. for even once considering that you are not a qualified shepherd. We thank you that we have forgiveness in Christ. In his name we pray, amen.